Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Small Cap Discoveries Conference call. Today on our call, we have the CEO, Scott Tillman, and the President, Jake McGregor from Minerva Intelligence. Minerva trades on the TSX Venture Exchange under the symbol MVAI and on the OTC under MVAIF. The company is currently trading at eight and a half cents with roughly 77 million shares outstanding or about a six and a half million dollar market cap. I'd now like to hand it over to Paul Andreola. Thanks a lot, Trevor. Um, yeah, great to have uh, both Scott and Jake here. Uh, Minerva Intelligence, uh, a relatively new name, uh, new idea uh, to look at. Um, so, you know, gentlemen, great to have you guys with us today. Um, why don't we uh, just start off uh, with you guys telling us exactly what Minerva does? And I understand you've got a pitch deck, so I'm going to hand it over to you guys and let you roll. Thanks a lot, Paul. Appreciate it. Uh, so uh, Minerva Intelligence is a software company, and we are based in Vancouver, although uh, since COVID, there's been a bit more of a spread of, of people and we're not always in the office. Uh, the pitch deck I'm showing you here is um, a little bit dated in that it's Q4, so some of the things we'll speak to are not included in here, um, but this will certainly give a good overview as to who we are, what we do, and, and more importantly, where we're going. Uh, standard disclaimer. Um, so the first line of business that we are in is geology, which we'll touch on later. And our growing and um, focused area these days is in climate risk. Um, I think, you know, we all understand the problems out there. Climate risk is real. It's got all kinds of negative impacts on all kinds of different entities, governments, property owners. Um, so just being able to understand and mitigate that risk is uh, something that has been I think uh, on people's minds, unfortunately, more and more, and it doesn't look like it's going to change. Um, you know, governments are mandating more and more disclosure about those risks. Uh, asset owners need to better understand those risks and be able to make good decisions moving forward. And um, we are firmly rooted in those areas in helping people make those kind of decisions. Um, Jake, if you wanna kind of jump into where specifically within physical risk we are, um, please do. Yeah, so when people are talking about climate risk, which has just become more and more of a topic, um, especially since uh, the COP26 meeting, and um, as more and more uh, securities regulators are mandating ESG disclosures, uh, a part of that is, is, is climate risk. And uh, within climate risk, we're really talking about two different things. So there's the transition rich risk, which is as we shift to a greener economy, what, what changes are there gonna be made? So if you're an oil producer, obviously there's some risk to your business there, but something that all businesses face is physical risk. So it doesn't matter if you're a hotel chain owner um, or you have um, storefronts or, or a manufacturing facility, all of those locations have physical risks uh, associated with climate change. So, you know, we're seeing increased flooding, uh, increased wildfire, uh, increased heat waves. And so all of those, all of those things are, are risks that are facing businesses. And we're seeing that more and more businesses are demanding to have the information uh, at their fingertips so that they can um, better report on that risk and better understand it when it comes to investment decisions and, and business strategy. And so how that intersects with us is, um, you know, I mentioned we're software developers. Uh, the software that we make is meant to improve human decision making. And um, we do that by dealing with numerous complex data sets. 
And our expertise is that we are able to deal not just with data sets that you would think of in a traditional algorithmic basis where you need all sorts of data to run through to understand what may or may not happen in the future. Uh, we are also able to deal with areas where there's sparse data uh, or areas where there's changing data. So, um, you know, I think we've unfortunately learned that, um, you know, things like 100-year flood maps are not necessarily reliable for looking into the future, especially when you've had, you know, five floods in the last 10 years in a 100-year floodplain. Uh, clearly something is wrong. Um, so our software is able to deal with those sort of scenarios where you don't necessarily have the past experience to, to pretend into what will happen in the future. Um, and we also, um, just broadly speaking, also do a lot of AI work and bring in industry experts to help with what we do and deal a lot with standardization of data, uh, which is increasingly important to just be able to understand kind of all those underlying risks. Uh, Jake, you want to take the next slide? Yeah, so uh, we have a bit of a unique approach to artificial intelligence and while we use uh, machine learning where we find it appropriate, uh, our kind of special sauce and our expertise is in a field called cognitive AI, which comes out of the expert systems world. And really what cognitive AI is trying to do is mimic how a human uh, makes decisions and understands problems. Uh, so one of the advantages that that gives us is that we don't have to have these massive data sets to train our algorithm. Uh, we can make use of the existing knowledge that humans have gained over the centuries uh, that we've been doing that. Um, and so we can combine that, that kind of expert knowledge in whatever field we're working in, be it mining and, and mineral exploration or in climate risk, and uh, then really uh, pair that with the data sets that we have to make decision making, uh, decision support making uh, tools. Thank you. And so what does that all mean? Um, what that means is that we are building these type of software tools. And as I mentioned, we're in geology as well as climate. Uh, within climate, we are currently working primarily with flood and landslide data. Uh, we're also working within wildfire. Um, we'll get a little bit more into that. And then on the other side of the business, which is where we really kind of proved our efficacy and where we first started, uh, we have some mining solutions that use that same type of uh, software where you're, you're able to deal with cognitive thought. Um, and there's one uh, software product in particular that we're seeing a lot of great success with this one down here called Driver. Um, the kind of, you know, the, the same underlying themes about making decisions are what are uh, the value propositions for our Terra suite as well. <clears throat> and Jake, if you want to take the next couple of slides and get into climate risk and where we're going, uh, I'll just kick it off by saying this is a mock-up of one of our beta prototypes. Yeah, so really what we're trying to do here is take together the learnings that we've um, made over the last couple of years um, and pull all of that together to create a single uh, platform in which asset managers, um, asset owners, uh, can look at information about uh, their properties um, and look at a parcel level scale, what are the specific risks that face those assets? Um, and, and there's uh, applications across a whole variety of in, um, industries. So uh, one big one that we've been looking at is uh, linear infrastructure. Uh, we've recently had a, a 
member join our board uh, who comes from a very impressive background in insurance. And so he's really helping us tackle that industry. Uh, real estate, uh, so we're, we're working with REITs as well as other property managers. Uh, there's applications in finance. And as you'll see um, in the coming slides, we've done quite a bit of work uh, for the Canadian government. So you'll, you'll see uh, that the three areas we're focused on are areas where um, the risk is difficult to model because you can't look at that past information. Uh, so landslides, flood, and wildfire are three that really have seen just an unfortunate explosion, and in part that is due to climate change. Uh, and so, you know, that is why we're focused on these three particular areas. Um, we have been very fortunate in that we have landed um, every government project that we've gone after thus far. And that is effectively on the climate side, kind of our building blocks that we are turning into products to monetize and turn into ongoing software sales. Um, I'll let Jake speak about the three different projects, but um, I, I realize we've got the Canadian Coastal at the top, but why don't you save the best for last? Yeah, so uh, as, as Scott mentioned before, we're really experts in, in data standardization. Um, and that's because of our incredible team of data scientists, um, AI engineers um, and geospatial data specialists. And so uh, with that expertise, we've been able to do a couple cool projects for the Canadian government. One of them was aggregating all of the flood map data from across Canada to create the first uh, comprehensive look at flood, map, uh, flood maps in Canada. Unlike the US, we don't have these national scale FEMA maps. Uh, so bringing together these municipal scale data sets all into one picture of what the flood risk is in Canada uh, is very unique and that uh, us doing that work has given us a, a distinct advantage, a kind of first mover advantage to have uh, a foothold in that data that we can then bring to a wider market other than the Canadian government. Uh, another kind of very technical project was looking at uh, the National Hydrographic Network and remodeling that so creating a new data model for, for that um, national data set. And then uh, the last one, which uh, we're just wrapping up right now, is a, is a very exciting project uh, that has the potential to move to a phase two uh, contract, which will be a million dollars. And uh, that's the Canadian Coastal Zone Information System. And so we're looking at all sorts of different coastal hazards within the Canadian um, coastlines. And so that's looking at sea level rise, tsunami risk, uh, wave modeling, um, and so this is a project that's funded by the Canadian government, but is meant to, to be commercialized. And uh, we're already in the process of looking at, you know, how we can take the innovations that we've been building here and bringing it to a wider market. That, that project is really exciting too, because that, that is going to be a large part of our future. Uh, and we're currently working on a partnership with a, a relatively decent sized publicly traded company down in the States. Uh, to help basically better visualize some 3D elements of that project. Um, so, you know, the government, as Jake said, their goal is to have us commercialize that. Uh, we intend to do that in parallel with developing the one for the government. Um, so that, that one we're very, very excited about. Sorry, I went one slide too fast. But, and then the, you know, we, we don't talk about it quite as much, but it, it is right now, um, you know, foundationally very important to us. And it was our first uh, area that we delved into. Um, historically, our two co-founders are a, um, a brilliant academic at UBC 
and uh, another brilliant man who comes out of the mining. So mining, understandably, was the first area that we tackled. Um, we have four products within the mining universe, um, two of which really kind of are, are extend beyond mining and, and we use internally. Uh, Solace is um, basically it's dealing with structuring legacy data. Uh, Leo is a basically it's um, uh, just considered a search engine on steroids. Uh, the two revenue drivers would be Target, where we help people just better understand um, prospectivity mapping by taking various data points and offering advice, which kind of goes back to the whole cognitive foundational uh, underpinnings of our company. Uh, and then the one that is really kind of coming off the shelf like hotcakes is um, Driver. And Driver basically helps uh, mining companies. And we've had you know, some small mining companies. We've also had some very, very large mining companies uh, engage with us. It, it helps you understand your multi-element drill data and visualize and better understand your ore body in ways that previously, if you could do it, would take months to years of work. Um, so this one has really started to see some great traction. Um, to give you kind of a feel for our history and, and where we're going, um, you know, we, we are a relatively new company. Uh, 2018, we, we had no sales because we had nothing to sell. Uh, 2019 and 20 were what I would really consider kind of um, exploratory conversations with customers doing consulting type roles to really help shape the product. And it was not until the end of last year that we officially launched um, our driver product and made some substantial upgrades to it based on customer feedback. Uh, so um, I, I see down here, it's got the asterisks, but we did indeed hit our target last year. Um, we are hoping that we can at least double to triple that number this year, uh, although revenue recognition will become a, um, a bit of an accounting difference for us because we are moving towards selling driver on annual licenses, uh, which is great because they renew and they're sticky. Um, so that, you know, depending on when a contract is signed, we'll just have a revenue recognition issue. Um, but, you know, th these names of customers here on the left are customers that we have uh, engaged with. Uh, as I mentioned, this deck is a bit old. Um, we've disclosed in the last couple of weeks that we have uh, had some great success with Driver and sold to a couple of more companies. Uh, the sales methodology for this particular product is we have found that customers are very intrigued, but want to have kind of a bite at the apple before they commit to it. So we've started doing uh, proof of concept sales, and um, those are moving at a very, very good clip for us right now. Uh, and really expect that, you know, with each coming week and month, that activity will continue. Uh, we were at Roundup, saw quite a bit of customer interest, um, expect the same to come out of PDAC. And then when we get into the climate side, uh, the revenue expectations there are, are similarly robust, but we think that the market is just substantially larger, uh, which is part of the reason that we've looked to extend out into other areas. Um, Jake, I don't know if you have anything you would want to add here. Yeah, I just I just want to highlight the importance of the fact that we've been able to move driver from kind of a consulting tool to a fully SaaS product and, and what that means for our potential revenue in the future. Um, all the contracts that we're signing on right now, which is quite a few, uh, are you know annual licenses that uh, mean that they're going to be renewing them year over year and we'll have uh, have that revenue. Uh, kind of being able to drive our innovations in our other departments uh, and that's really the model that we're that we're focusing on is is 
taking this this kind of steady stream of revenue that we're growing in driver and uh, channeling that towards growth um, in the climate risk division, which we uh, see has a lot of blue sky potential. So just uh, in terms of some of the stats, um, you know, you can see the share price here is as of November. Uh, so we are clearly on sale. And, you know, if, if our market cap was about six or so million dollars today, uh, I, I would argue that one or six times sales is quite cheap. But if we double our sales this year, I would argue three times sales is even cheaper um, to give the audience a bit of a feel for kind of what our expense load looks like. Um, you know, we are spending about call it 275 to $300,000 a month. Um, so, you know, you can do the math to quickly determine that, you know, if, if we do hit our targets, we're pretty close to not just profitability, but uh, cash flow break even, um, which we think for a small software company is, is incredibly impressive. Uh, we're a team of about 20 people. Um, I mentioned headquartered in Vancouver, but kind of dispersed throughout. Uh, and it's also worth noting that we have quite a bit of healthy inside ownership. Um, you know, all of our senior management owns quite a bit, uh, our board owns quite a bit, um, so we are engaged in believers. And then just to give you a, a bit of a feel for who some of those believers are, um, you know, we've got a, a really robust team here. Uh, this doesn't include any of our software team with the exception of our chief technology officer, um, but we've really upgraded the team and the deck, or excuse me, I to say the, the board. Um, we have not updated the deck, we are in the process of doing that. Um, but with that, I'll, I'll hand it back to you, Paul. Well, thank you, guys. Um, very enlightening. Um, the, I mean, how 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 big is? I mean, two two parts of the business. So, from what I can tell here, um, sort of the, the climate change and the mining side. Can you give us a sense of what you think the addressable market is in both those categories? Uh, Jake, do you want to take a stab at climate, and I can take a stab at mining. So the climate risk is, it's just, it's really being blown wide open right now. Uh, we're seeing that all around the world, different securities commissions are mandating that all public companies report on their climate risk. And that means that any public company in the world, um, either this year or next, is going to have to report and understand their climate risk. Uh, so to kind of uh, estimate on the size of that market is is really challenging but it's um it's clearly why we're we're looking at that market and and developing strongly um we're lucky that we started doing work on this kind of well before a lot of other people were were looking at it um right now it's it's a very hot topic climate risk and uh, we're lucky that we started working on this a, a few years ago um and can kind of have that first mover advantage especially in canada mm -hmm. I think um, on, on the mining side, I think, you know, driver on its own, I think is a, you know, multiple tens of millions of dollars of revenue potential. Um, and, you know, we, we it's, it's worth noting too that driver is a very sophisticated piece of software that we are now looking at using um, the same kind of brains behind it within forestry. Um, so we're kind of internally calling a driver for trees. Um, but when we get into those bigger markets, you know, we, we don't, as Jake said, it's, it's, it's a bit expansive to understand what's going on right now, but we think it's, you know, many multiples of what we could do within the mining sector. So, you know, the expectation is that we should be able to sell many, many, many millions of dollars of software. Um, but, you know, kind of the way I've, I've spoken to some of our investors about this is, you know, look, you're getting a really cheap mining software company and you have all the climate for free. It's, um, it's, it's kind of compelling from that standpoint. And, and can you give us a sense of a, like a, a, a real world example, like what, what 
does a mining company come to you and ask you to do? And then kind of what kind of revenue do you generate from that, that engagement? Jake, you want to take it? Yeah, so uh, our, our, we have a, a licensing structure that's based on how many seats, uh, fairly standard for engineering type uh, software tools, uh, ranging starting from $30,000 a year, moving up to $100,000 a year for an enterprise license, which is what some of the bigger mining companies out there are looking at. And there's really a range of, of use cases uh, that they're looking to use driver for. Uh, one of the main ones that was kind of the initial brainchild behind this was for exploration vectoring. So when you are putting all these holes into a deposit, you sort of are understanding what you're drilling into, but it's really hard to identify, okay, does this extend to the north? Uh, is, it, is it dipping to the south? Um, and our, our tool can help uh, exploration geologists uh, model the deposit and better understand. We've had a lot of clients who have been able to do that um, and have shown you know, really impressive results. When we identify a potential new zone in the deposit, they go drill that and, and you know, hit, hit really high grade uh, gold intercepts. So seeing those types of results is, is really exciting. But the one other one that I wanna talk about is that um, because our modeling software is completely automated, whereas many other uh, require a, a huge amount of kind of hands-on finagling to get the modeling to occur, we can model all of the elements that are, that are um, being assayed for. Uh, so that means that uh, geologists who typically wouldn't model uh, elements like lead or cadmium that can have neg negative environmental impacts can now be modeling those elements and better understanding, okay, is there cadmium in my ore body? Because that's going to have a huge penalty um, and it's going to affect the bottom line of the mine uh, as, it, as it goes into production. Interesting. Very interesting. Um, I, I mean, the way you describe it, would this not apply to oil and gas as well? Um, it, the, so it's something that I've been looking at. Um, mm. Typically, oil and gas uh, uses a lot of geophysics um, rather than geochemistry, which is what uh, okay. Driver is designed for. But uh, we're really actively, you know, as, as Scott mentioned, we're looking at all sorts of applications. So we think there could potentially be applications in, in medical um, definitely in, in forestry. Uh, so yeah, there's, there's a very bright a, yeah. driver. Lots of applications then. Um, so you mentioned, you sort of mentioned a little bit of the competition, maybe, maybe give us a sense of what the competitive landscape looks like. You, you, you know, I doubt you're the only ones out there sort of promising to deliver sort of, you know, exploration in a, in a piece of software. Uh, with Driver specifically, there there isn't really a competitive software application. Um, I think our biggest challenge there is really just making the market aware of it, and also mm -hmm. making sure that the geologists understand that it's you know it's a tool that they can use and shouldn't fear. Mm -hmm. um, there are certainly you know plenty of engineering firms that try and do similar work, but they they don't use software like we do. Uh, and we think that's kind of the huge differentiator. You know, Jake mentioned our pricing. Um, you're never going to get that kind of pricing out of a consultancy firm that has to go out there and do the kind of things that you would need to do to get the results we can get. Um, so I think, you know, th that one is just head and shoulders different and better than anything mm -hmm. that is out there. Mm -hmm. uh, within climate, it's, 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 you know, it's, it's not quite the Wild West, but there's a number of companies that have been around and then there's even more that are springing up 
Um, but you know, our our mantra internally is that we're really trying to stick to our knitting. And you know, there's a ton of competitors in the United States uh, and in Europe. Um, but there's not nearly as many in Canada. And when you think about our kind of leading edge um, in that we've structured a lot of the data and we kind of understand where it is, uh, we think that that's going to put us in a really good position within Canada specifically to, you know, to really make the software robust and, and then we can go elsewhere. Um, but there is there is not any specific products. There's, you know, a bunch of other things you can look at on the Internet to kind of get some sort of ideas to flood. But what we're looking to create is um, a multi-hazard uh, application. And uh, Jake, I don't know if you're aware of anything that's directly competing with it. Uh, no, definitely not here in Canada, that's, that's for sure. Um, there's other people, like you mentioned, focusing on the United States, but uh, we have a, a huge advantage here in Canada. And I'll just, I'll just add on, on, on the mining side, there's, you know, there's a few other uh, firms that are, are, are publicly traded on the TSXV. Uh, windfall geotech um, uh, as well as gold spot and and our main differentiator from from folks like them is that uh, they're really an AI consultancy they have a team of data scientists who uh, use kind of off-the-shelf algorithms uh, to process data and, and they provide insights and sometimes those have proven to be quite quite valuable but I don't see that business model being scalable uh, like our software as a solution a software as a service um, mm -hmm. the product is uh, mm -hmm. where we can you know get really high margins by selling that software which we've you know developed and is ready to go mm -hmm. uh, we have you know a sales team who is hitting it hard right now um, mm -hmm. and we get those sales occurring and we get the revenue year over year mm -hmm. yeah you mean yeah so you mentioned Goldspot, and the little I know about that company, um, they actually do get involved in, in sort of the ownership of some of the upside. Um, do you guys ever look at any of that? Do you, do you ever sort of engage some of your clients? No, say, hey, um, we, it, it, their, their model is just fundamentally different. Um, mm -hmm. And it, you know, it's clearly working for them, which is, which is great for them. Um, but we are not really looking to kind of have you know, that information and then stake claims or anything like that. Um, we're also finding that it's um, primarily some of the larger mining companies that we think will ultimately, you know, use our product the most, uh, mm -hmm. just given that they have ongoing projects. Uh, and realistically, if we're going to be trying to sell to the majors, there, there, there isn't really an opportunity for us mm -hmm. to say, oh, yeah. we just saw your data that's proprietary. <laughs> um, we're going to try and buy that land now. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's just a fundamentally different setup. Yeah. Um, Understood. But we get Absolutely. that we get that question a lot, which we understand. <laughs> gotcha. Uh, let's let's go back to your financials a little bit. Um, so clearly, you guys are growing your revenues now. Um, you had mentioned, if I'm not mistaken, that your sort of your expenses are running around 250 to 300k a month. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. So um, so okay. So at that point, um, what's that about three point? Call it three point five million ish um, revenue point to, to break even. Does that sound about right? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Um, the do do you think the the current uh, the four point one million that you had as of the the reporting quarter that you announced there is that going to be enough to get you to break even? Do you think, or do you need? Do you think you might have to go back to the market? Uh, I'm going to I'm going to answer in a slightly different way. It should be yeah. enough to answer directly, um, but mm -hmm. we we expect that we will be growing at a clip that we will justify far higher valuations, and we'll also be able to prove to the market that you know with more resource we can do even more. 
Um, so I, I'd say that we don't need to raise funds, but we hope to raise funds. Gotcha. Okay, that's a good answer. Um, you know, maybe at this point, I want to remind everybody, if you, those that are listening, if you've got any questions you'd like me to ask uh, the gentleman here, uh, please use the chat function, and I'll do my best to ask a question. Um, you you showed the slide, uh, the management team and the board. Um, one thing we always try to look at, uh, especially with small companies, just kind of the, the makeup of the board. And do you, do you feel that the board has the right skill set for where you guys are at? Or do you think you need anybody else to, to sort of strengthen up the board? I'm glad you asked that question, actually, because I, I think our board, especially relative to you know how, how small our company is, is a phenomenal board. Um, our chairman, Jason Petralia, uh, was a senior executive at Skills, uh, which went public via SPAC last year, and, and he, uh, he has moved on from there. Uh, Glev Chuvpilo is somebody who I've known um, well over a decade now. Uh, he worked with Peter Thiel uh, at Palantir. Prior to that, he was at Goldman Sachs. Uh, he just launched a artificial intelligence um, hedge fund. So certainly he's got, you know, the, the right kind of chops and, and has been really helpful in helping us think through different things. Uh, Jake mentioned our next board member on there, Marvin Pesco, a bit earlier. Marvin actually approached us, which um, was, was like manna from heaven. It was great. Uh, he is the one who comes out of the insurance industry. Um, and, you know, he really helped us realize that, you know, it's, it's these unmodeled risks that you guys can really play a role in. Uh, so he's been able to open up some doors to some really fascinating conversations with insurance companies. Uh, the deck, as I mentioned, is a bit old. Our next one on there, Clinton Smythe, he is um, a co-founder, the geologist. Uh, he, uh, with with copper pricing where it is, he's he's out in the bush ch trying to chase down some copper. Uh, so uh, David Poole, who is our other co-founder, has replaced him. Um, I couldn't imagine a better replacement for Clinton than David. Um, so that, uh, that has worked out great. Uh, and, and then there's me. Um, so ho hopefully I'm a, a good uh, addition to the board. Um, but yeah, I think our board is, um, is, is a really fantastic board and they're, you know, really good about, uh, helping team members, uh, as well as making sure that I'm kind of thinking through things holistically. Yeah. Fantastic. That's, that's great to see. Um, okay. So, uh, you sort of gave a good list of the, the products that you're currently selling right now. One, one question we always try to ask is, um, you know, apart from what we've, we've seen here, is there any new products or any sort of new initiatives that you guys are, are looking to, to bring forward? Yeah. Um, so in, uh, I don't want to put out a, a specific date because I mm -hmm. think, uh, I think the team may kill me, but in the near future, call it in the next mm -hmm. quarter or two, uh, we are looking to rebrand um, how we speak about client, uh, climate services, rather, as well as also being a bit more specific about a couple of the products within there. Um, and then uh, Driver is one that we will continually iterate on. Um, you know, Jake touched on the deleterious minerals. Um, we think a natural evolution of that could be just helping think through mine planning. Uh, that way you can just deal with your tailings a little bit better. So we think that there's, I'll call it evolution within Driver. Um, but we're, we are looking to make a splash uh, with some of our climate stuff in the next, call it, couple of months. Gotcha. Gotcha. Perfect. Um, okay. And then uh, you, you had a slide up there for insider ownership. Um, can you refresh your memory? What percentage uh, insiders uh, ownership? And, and can you give us a sense of sort of outside of the insiders, um, who might be 
uh, the other shareholders in the business? And not specifically, but is it retail? Is it institutional? Is it industry? Um, We've got a, a bit of a mix. Um, the inside ownership is about uh, five and change percent. Because um, I'm tight. Uh, the, um, the, um, the initial funding for the company was primarily what I'll call like kind of not institutional, but near institutional people. So, you know, like a guy who runs a hedge fund, but invested individually. Mm -hmm. um, it was also put together by a gentleman who uh, is pretty well known within the mining community. He, he basically helped get our fundraising going before I joined the company. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we did a raise at the end of last summer. And that was primarily retail, but also kind of a lot of the similar types of, you know, higher net worth retail. Uh, and then we do have a couple of institutions that came in early. Um, the Abu Dhabi Sovereign, Sovereign Wealth Fund came in early, which was kind mm -hmm. of interesting. Uh, and then there's also a very large mining private equity firm uh, that was one of our early investors. So a bit of a mix. And then, you know, I certainly don't know. We've we've been having better volume lately, so I, I don't know who's selling and who's buying. But um, mm -hmm. but there's been some change just kind of through natural okay. trading. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, what are your biggest challenges you're facing right now as a, as a business? Ooh, that's a tough one. Um, I think, you know, one is just we're, we're small and I think getting attention, you know, hopefully, hopefully this kind of chat helps, um, but just getting attention and getting kind of the market to understand who we are and, and what we're doing. Um, I think, you know, sales is always a challenge. We are, uh, we're small. So sometimes, mm -hmm. you know, people don't necessarily have the benefit of knowing what we're doing. Um, but we're seeing within mining that uh, we had one major mining company that liked it so much that they recommended it to another major mining company. Um, so that, you know, that challenge, I think, will get better over time. Mm -hmm. uh, and Jake, I don't know if, um, if you'd add any, you know, COVID obviously was a challenge that everyone had to deal with. How do you, you know, how do you deal with people, you know, not coming to the office, coming to the office? But um, I don't know that that's particularly mm -hmm. unique. Uh, kind of a cop-out answer, but uh, I think we've overcome a lot of our, our, our challenges that we had, um, you know, over the past year or so. Uh, we brought on a really strong sales team, and uh, they've just been killing it and bringing in a lot of business, especially on the mining side where our products are, uh, you know, really market ready. Um, mm -hmm. And so, you know, if you'd asked me a year ago, I would have said, you know, sales is our big struggle, uh, but we've been able to overcome that, and it's just growing and growing. Mm -hmm. gotcha. Moving into our new office has actually turned into one of our biggest challenges. It's uh, months behind now, but small problems. Yeah, exactly. Champagne problems. Um, where, where, where could this business be five years from now? I'm not, and I'm not really talking revenues and, and things like that, but what, what do you envision the business looks like five years out from now? You want to take first stab, Jake? Yeah. Uh, the exciting thing about about Minerva is that we're not um, we're not just people who are using uh, the AI tools that Google and Amazon have created, uh, which is honestly what a lot of the AI uh, startups are. Uh, we have some incredible people who have founded this company and who are behind us, uh, who have you know poured their life's work, their brain uh, into developing some of the technology that we have internal that we have patents pending on, um, and that is our IP. Uh, and I think that there's a huge opportunity. Um, you know, we've 
basically taken kind of our expertise in mining and, and shifted some of that same technology into a new space, uh, which is climate risk. So we really have this great opportunity that because we have that expertise and that that data, or sorry, that um, that technology, we can apply that to so many different fields. Um, and I see that, you know, as we grow, we're just going to continue to tackle more and more industries um, and hopefully be able to license that technology out to other companies who want to make use of it and bring it to a vertical that we never even thought of. Gotcha. Fantastic. Um, now I'm looking at the slide. It says you've got 18 and a half million warrants out there. And one of the questions we've got from one of our listeners is just simply like, what, what's the exercise price and what's the, the expiry? Uh, um, so there's, there's a, a couple of different ones, but the majority mm -hmm. of them have come from our most recent share offering. Uh, and those are at 25 cents. Uh, and I believe they were two-year warrants from late August or early September of last year. Uh, so call it, you know, a little over a year and a half left on those. Gotcha. Uh, the options are kind of similar. And I think we have the, my, my uh, video thing is covering it. I think we have the um, average option exercise price in there. 19 cents. Yeah. yeah I see that. Perfect. Um, so yeah, so that, that's on the options. And again, those are almost exclusively to employees or a couple of consultants. Mm -hmm. uh, so a lot of them depend on when the employee is hired. Okay, fantastic. Now, um, I had a little question, but I noticed in one of your slides that you've got a project in Veneto, Italy, uh, where, where part of my family is from. So uh, Veneto is where Venice is. So um, can you tell us anything about that? Uh, that yeah, I'm, I'm happy to talk a little bit about that. That's, that's interesting. Um, so we, it was actually part of a, a, a data challenge, which we won. And mm -hmm. um, that was kind of bringing some of our landslide technology, which is one of those unmodeled perils uh, that not a lot of people uh, are looking at, but we have, you know, world-renowned expertise in. Um, and so it wasn't it wasn't actually so much looking at the floods in, in Venice, which is obviously, you know, a very interesting um, and uh, concerning uh, topic. But we were actually looking at uh, the the landslides uh, up in the, the northern uh, region of the province. Mm. Um, and that, that web map is, um, was kind of a proof of concept. Uh, it's actually still live on the internet and you can go take a look um, at uh, landslide risk in the Veneto region of, of Italy. But re really, we, um, you know, early on we were doing all these little projects and that's why I say it's so lucky that we started doing this work a long time ago. We just had, you know, a couple developers who were, you know, kind of starting to experiment and look at how we can apply our technology to look at these unmodeled perils, landslides, flooding, wildfire. And now we're coalescing and really pouring fuel on, on, on that fire and um, growing it into this full-scale product that um, we'll have mm -hmm. some news around soon. Mm -hmm. I mean, well, it, I'll add our, yeah. uh, our mm -hmm. landslide expert is, uh, is from Italy. So I think he wanted to choose a province in, in his own way. <laughs> good. There's some good things that come from Italy. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, I mean, you talk about floods, you talk about some of the, the, the things that, that are now headline, we're seeing a lot of things, you know, climate issues that are literally on, on the six o'clock news. I mean, how, how do you, I mean, how, how do you market around that? I, I got to imagine that, um, you know, there, there must be a lot more opportunities that, that seem to be a lot more um, sort of common now. Uh, what, 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 how do you take advantage of that? If, if that's sort of the ghoulish way of saying it, how do you take advantage of some of the things that we're all seeing, you know, the local floods here in Vancouver, for example, and, and some of these other things, how does that affect your immediate uh, opportunities? 
I think the, the first point is it, it, it's clearly made for awareness. You know, I think people mm -hmm. no longer have their head in the sand, uh, and and you know, it's it's affecting people. So it's it's become something that's front and center. Um, the way we're kind of thinking about how do we get that message out there is, you know, if the government trusts us, so can you insurance mm -hmm. company or so can you power company that has, you know, something right next to a major waterway. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, it's, it's certainly challenging, um, but that's, you know, that's kind of the way that we're, we're looking to build those relationships and customers. Um, and then, you know, and then it's just, it's basically just showing them what's in front of their face and letting them understand it. It's, you know, we all know that there's going to be a problem um, you know, this can help you think about, you know, do you need to mitigate it? Do you need to think about, you know, this factory, maybe you don't want to invest in it, what you thought you were going to invest in it. Maybe you need to, you know, add some sort of reinforcement. So I think that's kind of how we're thinking about it. Mm -hmm. um, and those, you know, those conversations are always ongoing. Um, but, you know, we, we think that it's, it's going to be some of those kind of, you know, bigger infrastructure owners, the insurers of those properties, um, you know, some of them are self-insured. So, you know, the, the corporate owners, um, we, you know, we've also had some conversations with uh, cities and provinces um, who typically are interested, but a little more budget constrained, um, but there might be, you know, avenues to, to work with them. So it's, um, it's evolving very fast. And, and we think that the way we've positioned it with kind of government efficacy is, uh, is a good step. Mm -hmm. Guys, we're, we're almost at the end here. Um, Another question we always like to ask is, you know, from from standpoint of investors like us, what sort of metrics or even catalysts should be really uh, paying attention for to sort of showcase that you guys are, you know, hitting your your you know your models or executing on your business plan? Yeah, so I think I think there's kind of two basic things you should be looking for from us. Uh, one is just, you know, we we will be announcing more and more driver sales. Um, so I think, you know, if if you see those, that that that's obviously a good sign. Uh, if if you know there's no announcements, then that's not a good sign. Uh, but that's one that we will be reporting on pretty frequently. Um, we're we're talking at a board level if we're going to do that more than just quarterly. Um, but that is certainly one that will be a relatively easy thing to monitor. Uh, and then you know I think the you know the other side is that we also have a couple of what I'll call lumpy, big, exciting projects. Um, you know we mentioned the Canadian Coastal Zone. Uh, that would be, I believe, our largest project ever. Um, we are working with um, a, um, I'll just simply say, a branch of the U.S. government on a project that um, it, it's certainly not a slam dunk, but if that were to happen, that would be a huge one. So there's, there's a couple of really big projects, too, that we're certainly hoping we land, uh, and that would be kind of the other thing to keep an eye out for. Um, and then just watching, you know, watching our um, continued product announcements within climate. So I think if you just keep an eye on driver, uh, you know, hope for some of the big ones and just, you know, mind to what we're doing in climate, I think you'll, you'll be able to have a pretty good feel for if things are going well for us. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. Um, listen, uh, sort of last thing, we always like to give you guys an opportunity to, to give us a key takeaway or sort of a parting message. If there's one thing you want to make sure everybody walks away with today knowing, uh, what would that be? That we're cheap. Uh, we're, you know, we should be doubling revenue every year for the foreseeable future. And uh, we trade like a teeny free option almost. So, um, you know, I'm not saying to put grandma's entire retirement into it, but I think, uh, I think we are a, a very interesting company that, that should do you well. Hey, grandma is very risk uh, tolerant. So it, it, grandma might just put in a lot of money. <laughs> there you go. Listen, guys, if, if somebody wants more information, um, what's a website or what's the, the best way to get more information from you guys? 
minervaintelligence.com, uh, also our ticker mvai.ai. Uh, and you did actually mention um, our OTC stock uh, should be um, moving off the pink sheets shortly. We're just waiting on that fun process to, to conclude itself. Um, and you can also always feel free to reach out directly to us. Um, our emails are on our website uh, or just ir at minervaintelligence.com. Fantastic. Well, great. We've been speaking with CEO Scott Tillman and President Jake McGregor. Uh, from Minerva Intelligence, uh, as they just mentioned, the symbol MVAI on the Venture Exchange. Uh, guys, thanks for joining us today. And, and listen, we look forward to catching up with you guys uh, in the not too distant future. Thanks a lot, Paul. Appreciate it. Excellent. Thank you. Have a good day. Thanks, guys.